Hi there and welcome to the Torvis Podcast. My name is Ari and today I'm going to be joined with Alex and Jason and we're going to be talking about one of the craziest martial art practitioners of all time. Um, It's going to be Steven Seagal who came out in the 80s with Above the Law. So stay tuned and let's get into it. Obviously, it's the the three of us doing the Torvis podcast, uh, Alex, Jason, and myself, and we're going to be talking about Steven Seagal, his Aikido, and uh, particularly his first movie, which was Above Law. And uh, Jason and I have particular uh, memories of that uh, movie because it actually started us out on uh, a martial martial arts journey. journey, Yeah. Yeah. So let's go back in time. Okay. Uh, So 1988. You remember that, Alex? No, I was not present. Okay, he was not present. You know, as in, you weren't born. No, not till '93. No, so okay, a little, which is, is what a little, yeah. can make this Co- in- interesting. Is, yeah. is getting someone who's seen it from a different perspective. Yeah, but and interestingly, here we're going 98 from our previous episode where we did Bloodsport, also 1988. It, Great year for martial arts. It movies. was, and we actually mentioned that in the last pod- yeah. podcast. Uh, so, 1988, Above Law comes out. Uh, Steven Skull, he breaks in, into Hollywood for the first time. He does a martial art which no one had seen before. Obviously, Aikido has been around for many, many years, uh, World War II, pre-World War II. But that was the first time it was seen on film. And Jason and I probably have very similar stories. And I'm going to ask you, Jason, to start with you. Yeah. When you saw it for the first time, I mean, we're used to karate films and kung fu films. Yeah. What did you think when you saw it? Oh, I was blown away. I was like, whoa, this stuff is like super cool. It was, it was like wow, it's like with doing joint locks and throws and stuff, as, as I alluded to on the um, Star Trek um, episode about martial arts, that I was into pro wrestling and Kirk Fu type of yeah. stuff. And so like the non, non-striking stuff, he does a lot of striking too, but right. but that was like the kind of stuff was like, whoa. And it was, it was really graphic and like with the bone breaking and the... Yeah. Stuff. It was very different than anything else. It was a very fresh, like people tr- always trying to do new things mm-hmm. in movies and change how, how things are. I, th- I think that that movie really stuck out as being something very different than the other martial arts movies. And one of the great things of that movie, if uh, you remember, the very opening scene is uh, Stephen Skull in his dojo, and he's basically yeah. teaching a class, and he's, he's doing the moves in Aikido and throwing and flipping, and uh, the music... <laughs> Uh, which is really kind of Japanese, very cool. Actually, Alex was talking about that yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, it was like that '80s like synth kind of intro, but then threw in the Japanese like wood flute and everything like that. It was very cool. I was a huge fan of that. Yeah. So um, after he, you know, was throwing people around and breaking bones, I was like, okay, I'm hooked. Yeah, and that was like what two minutes? I don't know how long. Yeah, but something like two minutes or something. Like that. It's not very long at all. It could even be a minute. It's just like super short, but. Gets, gets you right in there like, whoa, okay. So the great thing about today is like we have a perspective of Jason and I that go back many years and remember the film in theaters type of thing. And then we have you, Alex, who, you know, I've seen it basically not in the movie theater no. and you weren't born when it came out. So your perspective is different. And you know a different Stephen Seagal. Oh, yes. Um, yeah. how, like how you were introduced to him than we know. 
initially. Yeah. Like when we were introduced to Steven Seagal, he was like, this is the badass action action hero. And then years later, all this He's ridiculous crazy, shit crazy came crazy guy that used to do martial arts. That's kind of how I knew him, right? So totally different perspective. And then having watched the film after having this like established as this crazy guy, I'm like, this looks like the monster that ate this guy who's playing this movie. You know, like it's it's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. So when was this the first Steven Seagal movie you've seen? Or I've, did you see one of the later ones? I've seen. I, I saw one of the later ones too. I, I've 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 seen it. My dad's. We've watched action movies, and I, I've I've seen a couple. But this is the you know this is the the first one that I watched actually fully recognizing that it was Steven Seagal, right? Because the, I didn't know Steven Seagal. I knew he was an actor, but I didn't know him from his acting career. I knew him as a martial arts guy who went nuts and did all this other right. activism stuff, but he's very contradictory personal life. We can so before you later, even saw any of his things, before, yeah, you I, already, I, I was, I established Steven Seagal. The only way that I knew him was as a very eccentric, martial arts practitioner to put right. that in a light way so you're coming into it from this celebrity kind oh of the drama of, yeah exactly of where that yeah that is so before we get into kind of the craziness that happened to mr sickle uh let's talk about the movie itself yes okay and then we'll kind of break down the other stuff so if you're unaware listening audience of above the law you should watch it because it is a phenomenal film i'm sure that most people who listen to the podcast have seen it because it's uh, required viewing <laughs> if you're an 80s geek. But the story itself was, you know, it was kind of cool. So he was a ex-CIA operative uh, who basically, you know, didn't agree with what was going on within the company. And he left and he became a... Um, became a cop, right? Yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. Nico Tescani. And <laughs> yep. uh, in Europe, the movie was not called Above Law. It was called Nico. So oh. that was, yeah, it was interesting. Do so, you know Why? I have no idea, but why would No, I should, look, I should look that up. But it's funny because we, they used to joke about Steven Seagal that all his films had, were three-word films, right? Above Law, Out for Justice. Mark you know, for Death. Mark for Death. Hard to Kill. Hard to right? Kill, right? Yeah. And yeah. so it was like, oh, right. obviously, uh, the bad guy in the film is played by a gentleman by the name of Henry Silva. And is that the vein guy? The, the, the vein and head guy? Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Box. So he, uh, he ends up being the, the, main, the main adversary. And uh, obviously, throughout the film, uh, Mr. Seagal is able to showcase his Aikido by throwing people into grocery shelves and through windows. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, that guy's store. Not in my store. Not in my store. Yeah, it's, 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 I come to America. <laughs> it's, 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 stop, stop. Yeah. 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 It's, 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 and so one of the, there's a couple <clears throat> interesting trivia points about uh, Above the Law that I'm going to kind of throw at you guys if you knew. But um, we know the in the opening scene of Above the Law, there's, there's pictures of Steven Seagal. Those are actually him. His baby pictures and stuff. Oh, the, really? Yeah, yeah, I was talking about it as yeah. I was a kid. I was oh, only okay. at 17. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then he's like, you know, I met this man and, um, and this little old man at a baseball game, and then I went to Japan and studied under yeah. So one of the... He had said that he studied under a guy by the name of Osensei, right? And Osensei is the founder of Aikido. Wow. However, if you look at the timeline of when he was in Japan... Uh, so Osensei died in 1969, I think it was, uh, and I think it was 71... Uh, when Seagal went to Japan, so uh, they would have never met. Right. But this is part of the whole uh, mystique of... Uh, which which this is gets back, again, with the blood sport with Frank Dukes, and you have these mythologies of people of what their re, their real story is and then what the myth that, that surrounds. And the funny... It, it's very true. So the whole Frank Dukes thing we were talking about, obviously, in the last podcast, but the interesting stuff is when these martial arts came out and they got picked up by Hollywood, they could make these claims that were impossible 
to find out. Yeah, and remember, this is before before the internet. internet. I mean, right. unless, like you're, the, unless you're really into bullshitting, was definitely a way of getting your credentials, right? It was totally hard, hard to prove anything. Totally. You just give you a piece of paper and put a stamp on it and say, "Yeah, I got yeah. this from somebody," right? And so, only until the advent of the internet and people doing research and, and stuff, and then where everyone can see, then all this stuff came out. It's like, oh my god, it's like this is impossible. He could have never met him, and oh, he didn't actually do this, and he's never fought in a kumite, and right. right. So just uh, quite interesting. Um, Stephen Skull actually says he declared that uh, of his first five films that he made, that his favorite character was Nico Toscani in Above the Law. He said yeah. he absolutely loved it. Yeah. And there was um, the his partner in it, Pam Greer. Mm-hmm. She was the female cop. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, she had said, which I find very funny, she goes, it's one of her favorite movies of all time because it showed off her acting skills. Oh, my god. <laughs> that showed off her act. Okay. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Good thing I don't know actors. That's yeah. probably why I don't remember her from anything else. Uh, so here's another really interesting trivia thing. So Henry, as I said, Henry Silva is the bad guy in it, the guy with the vein in his head. Um, but Henry Silva actually broke Steven Seagal's nose in the final fight scene. Really? Yeah. Um, Seagal was rushed to the hospital and the next day Seagal was back to work. Uh, he stayed up all night icing it so he wouldn't get uh, two black ice from it. Wow. Yeah. It's funny. Um, before getting the part, Steven Seagal, uh, he had to demonstrate his martial art prowess to the producers of the film. And so what he did is he physically dominated his students, which he normally does if you, if you see the opening scenes, Mm -hmm. uh, and it, it apparently it terrified the executives, uh, the, who, the producers of the film. Um, they didn't know it was staged. Wow. Because they had never seen Aikido before. Right. Yeah. So, like, the Kota Geish and the, well, the, the Rimanages yeah. and all those no, things. No, and when, at the time, this this is the thing. Like, right now, when Violent. you see things. Yeah. And yeah. people have seen YouTube and they've seen every every movie, even movies that aren't martial arts movies, are chock full of martial arts and stuff now. Yeah. So, back then, it was really eye-opening. It was like, whoa, and, what and the it, heck is and this And the, the UKs are coming in with a lot of, you know, momentum and they're yelling and they're, it's very vocal. And then it's... Wham, wham. And you just see a flurry of limbs and then a big smash and he's standing there like in his, you know, in his Kamai's ready stance as yeah. if nothing happened. You're like, how did the guy get from there to down there in a yeah, blink of an eye? it's very intimidating. So if we, we'll take a, yeah. one particular move in Aikido, which is called Nariminagi, which means entering throw. And that's basically, for those of you who don't know Aikido, that's clotheslining someone, to <laughs> put it really bluntly. <laughs> and you really should see those first... Two minutes, whatever. Even if even if you don't want to watch the whole movie, you should see that first opening scene there. So one of the um, his main student, which he uses, it's a Japanese guy, and he he uses him uh, all the time in his movies. Mm-hmm. He's uh, he's actually uh, one of the bad guys in the shop with the the guys like I come to America. That guy, yes, yeah, 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 his yeah, student yeah. is in there, right? Yeah, um, I thought I looked familiar. Yeah. Uh, and his name escapes me at the moment, but he's, he's got an, um, yeah. Um, he's he's actually pretty high level, and he's into yeah, he's he's super high level, but he's also in the opening scene at the dojo. Right? Yeah, he's yeah, well, yeah. And so he doesn't he doesn't Rimanagi an entering throw and clotheslines him really hard. And again, so the executives look at this and they have no idea that his student can take ukemi or knows how to fall. So all they just see him is get smashed and fall into the mat, and so they're shocked. Yeah. And again, it's a new martial art. It's not the same like if you turn towards the camera, I punch you, you turn away. We can tell from a certain angle. That's literally where they were coming from, that 80s yeah. kind of like fake fighting exactly. in the Western world, yeah. right? Meets, I mean, Kung Fu had some pretty impressive things for striking right. and whatnot, but it yeah. was still, you know, dummying and uh, or pulling your punches, right? And this right. is the first one where Contact. you don't really have to pull your punches if yeah. the person, if there's ukemi, right? 
And the funny thing is, if actually, if we look at kung fu films, one of the one of the great things they did for kung fu films, and they still use it to this day, is they will cover each of the opponents and the, the people fighting in um, flour oh. or dust, because every time you block, oh, it dust, dust, yeah, dust will right. come, and it's a great yes. visual, yes, yeah, right? Yeah. Or like they'll be chalking up their hands or something before a fight, and then you'll see the fighting, and they'll yeah. whoosh, whoosh, the ball the blocking, yeah. yeah. So yeah, it, it's true, just yeah. it was a very neat technique that uh, the old kung fu films uh, picked up, and they still do it, and it, fantastic. Mm-hmm. So anyway, Stephen Skull's kicking everyone's ass, he, ass, and he's he's doing the Irunagi and smashing. And again, we, we want to point out it's not only his technique, but it's the technique of the people he's doing it on that they can receive the technique. Yeah, because you can't just good. do this to any standard guy. And and stunt the stunt business has probably changed a lot over the years too because what people are used to taking it's not the cowboy guys that are used to being knocked off the well, the saloon thing and doing the the rollover yeah. and fall into the and one, of, one of his most impressive feats too is the randori the ability to take on the multiple opponents at once and to do these moves and to quickly be dispatching and having them come back it makes for an incredible that yeah. that fight scene it just it's so dynamic and, and guys are getting they can get back up and they can be rethrown again and you can be multiple people fighting him instead of just oh i punched him in the face and he fell down you know it's yes yeah. but one of the things they did in above the law which they hadn't done in a lot of movies it happened a little a, f- a few times but when steven skull would do a move in his action films it was usually he would do the move and he would break something or kill you and that would be it mm-hmm. there weren't there weren't protracted fight scenes right. mm-hmm. like there were in the other karate movies. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh my God, they're, they're fighting for like nine minutes. That's incredible. How many yeah. times can you get hit, kicked in the head without you being like, Ooh. It's kind of like seeing like the spaghetti westerns after seeing regular westerns mm-hmm. where you've got like that... The quick draw, yeah. yeah. ...things there, but it's mm-hmm. like, it's just, it's that little edgier... Yeah, that's actually a really good analogy. Um, so you were talking to a former student of his. Uh, his name was Michael uh, Ovitz and he, he was a, a former uh, Aikido... Uh, pupil of Seagal's. And so that's who kind of got him into the movie business. He told Seagal that he could make him uh, a movie star and that's kind of how it started. Wow. So I actually remembered something correctly? Yeah, Whoa. he did. Whoa. Yeah. Right and the, other, right the other interesting thing about Above the Law is uh, Stephen Seagal personally selected every weapon scene in the film. Hmm. From the machetes to the handguns. Even to oh, the salami? Wow. Okay. To, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, doesn't he whack a guy with salami? Yeah. Yeah, yeah he does. Yeah. So good. So throughout the film, again, great fight scenes. Uh, and we're going to kind of get into some detail on the, our favorite fight scenes in there. Uh, not the best story in the world. But again, I would say of all the action films that are out there, mm-hmm. I would have to put Above the Law in the top 10 of just kind of changing the culture of action yeah, films. Yeah, and it's it's an action. It's not a pure martial arts thing. The thing was he was like the martial arts cop kind of thing. And this is sort of Punisher type of era type stuff too where things are getting that little bit of vigilante type of thing like he's he's a vigilante he's a cop and it's kind of like you know you're coming also the dirty hairy type of thing where you're you know the kind of cop that's not quite doing things right but you're still a good guy yeah. but you're doing things the hard way and you know he was framed they were, you know, they were out to get him you know right and totally coming after him and yeah. so he's a, he's he goes on the wrong side of the law to prove that you can't be above, above the law, law right so <laughs> yeah it's, he's it's hunting you down yeah. i know it's, it's, it's and yeah, they've got a thing there, but it, it's it's not just a pure martial arts movie. It's a martial arts slash cop movie, and it's so it's a little bit different in that in that way. Mm-hmm. And one of the other trivia things on this, I don't know if you guys know, but Stephen Skull actually went on a ride along with Chicago detectives before he did Above Law because he kind of wanted to get an idea of oh, what okay. it was oh, like. Interesting. And it's reported that the Chicago detectives said that Stephen Seagal scared the criminals more than the cops did. 
Yeah. No doubt. Yeah. Because yeah. you got to remember, like, Seagal at the time was probably 35. Yeah. Um, he's six foot four. He's a pretty four, tall guy, yeah. Right? He's, he's a tall dude. He wasn't... He wasn't a super heavyweight like he is now. No, right? so what, just as a uh-huh. side thing, when you saw him in Above the Law versus, because you're used to seeing the, the old, yeah, the, current yeah, him, yeah. and you saw the young him, what was your... It was like William Shatner, you know, like, I have the same opinion of that, right? Like, William Shatner? This, that's Captain Kirk? What? Like, you know, like, I just, you, it's almost unrecognizable. Like, it's like, oh, yeah, if you really, if you CGI the hell out of that, you might be able to go back and do that. It just, it seems, it seems unreal to me, yeah. honestly. Yeah, because I, I find that really interesting is, like, someone's first impression, you know, everyone talks about what yeah. first impressions count for and stuff. And yeah. When you're coming from the other, yeah. the, the other end of things. Yeah, yeah it's uh, pretty crazy, uh, some of the things that that film Portrays. I actually have to. Now that I'm thinking about it, it's, um, a lot of it's offside. You know. Oh yeah. By no. today's standards. Oh, yeah. I was yeah. watching it. Uh, I just watched it just again just the other day, and it was. Uh, I was like, oh, that would not fly, and, <laughs> and 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 I was I was obviously jaded by the stuff that he'd been into, and then his, his the seediness that he's and the drama that he's experienced kind of that changed how I saw him and the, and the opinions on the the things that he was saying and what he was getting away with, right? Like. Obviously, the culture changes and what's acceptable changes, but it was, you know, you could, you could certainly see how that character mm-hmm. would kind of evolve into the person that Steven Seagal became, right? So it was it was interesting to me to to see it almost backwards from how you guys saw it, right? Yeah. You guys saw it. Whereas I'm kind of looking at it like being like Bruce Lee meets Dirty Harry yeah. kind of right. thing, and it's like, okay, what would that kind of... Now, the funny thing is, is when people go back and watch Above the Law, because of the comical nature of Steven Seagal now, people are like, meh, you know, they, they already have something in mind. But it really is a good film for yeah. an action film, in my personal opinion. Yeah, it's, it's not bad for a, st- for a cop thing. It's like, there's, there's twists, you know, like it's not, it's, it, it's, it's a good movie. Like there's not a whole bunch of depth to it. It's not going to win Oscars or anything like yeah, that. There's not, you there's, you there's not good, that. there's, not, not, what there's it's not great acting, there's not great writing, there's... But it's a good, solid, solid action. And what it, yeah, yeah, but what it did, like, it's different than, like, Bloodsport. Because Bloodsport is kind of this, it's more of that fantasy and, you know, mm-hmm. it's trained by a ninja and I'm going to Hong Kong and stuff. And so yeah. it's different because it's more, it's like a, it's a cop, it's a cop thriddle, thriller action film yeah. that has martial arts in it. But it also felt, felt real. So again, like the comics, this is, again, Punisher type of era where you're not doing your Spider-Man up there, okay, woo-woo right. kind of stuff. It's like, okay, this guy's like not superhuman, but kind of, you know, more than he, he, more, he has more no superpowers. He's just disciplined and trained, and it shows you where that where that training becomes a superpower almost because yeah, you, it's you're riding right? it's riding that line yeah. there, and that was that again for that era that spoke really to there was I don't know what the term for it is, but there was something at that time that that was the right thing for that time. Mm-hmm. That kind of movie came out when it needed to. Yeah, and honestly, for me watching it, I'm pretty critical of special effects and that kind of stuff. And it was it was pretty good. Like when people were getting punched, you know, they were actually getting bloodied up, which is something you don't really see anymore. Like, oh yeah, this person just got roundhouse kicked in the face, but they're totally fine. They just they kind of make yeah, a, whip, bloody, a, a yeah. quippy thing, right? Yeah. Like, no, this guy get punched in the face, his nose is broken and he's bleeding, and, and he's they're bleeding. fighting, and there's blood. And, yeah, you, you wouldn't know. get just the the Bruce Lee. Oh, you wipe the blood yeah. off your, it yeah, was, your it face. It wasn't over the top, thing. but it wasn't non-existent either. Yeah. So I, I I did appreciate that, and there was a couple cool like car fighting scenes where he's you know on top of a car or on top of a train and the train's moving like uh-huh. it's not crazy it doesn't it doesn't have to be like you know yeah. die hard four where bruce willis is jumping a car into a helicopter yeah. it's like die hard one where it's just what year did die hard stuff what right? year did die hard one come on that was it's around the same era 
Yeah, I'm going to say the late 80s as well. Um, that's one we should do too, because that, that really changed action movies in general. So I don't know if it came out before or after. I just uh, a little Die, Hard, Die Hard came out in 1988. What oh, a wow. great year wow. for movies. Yeah. See? But see what I mean? Is so so it, it, there's no way that it influenced it because they're, they're coming out at the same time. Yeah. Like those, those are the kind of things that action movies got better because of movies like this. Like this made, above the law, made your standard action, the martial arts part of, of action stuff a little bit better. Yeah. So, and Die Hard, well, we'll get into Die Hard some other day, but don't want to cloudy this too much. <laughs> um, and also, Steven Skull has some great lines in that movie. Do you remember any that pop out? One of my favorites, I'm going to start it off. So one of my favorites is he walks around the corner after he messes everybody up. And then there's this dude who's like seven feet tall and like 400 pounds. Oh, the big guy in the black shirt. Yeah, hey, that's my buddy. It's my buddy. And he's like, he's like, I'm not in the mood, right? And yeah. then he pushes him. He's like, fuck you, mood man. And then he just punches him right and in the sternum. Yeah. And, and it, just, it just drops him. <laughs> and then he's like, hey, bro, the guy's Yeah, and then he goes, like, what it yeah. is. It's like, oh, we'll be cool. Yeah. I'm cool. <laughs> but the, the line before that, he's basically talking to a guy and he goes, <laughs> he goes, if I find out that you're lying to me, I'll come oh, back and kill you in your, your own, own kitchen. kitchen. <laughs> your own kitchen. That's like, so good. Yeah. yeah. Then you, know, you chase the guy down after the back alley yeah. uh, where the guys jump out of the convertible or whatever yeah. at him. With the machetes and yeah, stuff Yeah, machete like that. and baseball bat. And, and then uh, he messes everyone up. Yeah, yeah. that was good. And that's, when he's, that's his first running scene. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So um, very good. So, Jason, I'm going to ask you, since uh, you do have a, a background in uh, the martial art Aikido, uh, we know that the internet is, is not being kind over the years to that art in particular, uh, especially with the advent of MMA and jujitsu and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. People get very elitist about their arts. Oh yeah. Uh, and prior to jujitsu coming out, right. There's always the debate, right? It's like, yeah. well, how would Aikido do against Kung Fu and how would this and, and that, right? Uh, so again, be, and especially because of Seagal and other videos that have come out, they're just really brutal. Yeah. Um, they don't showcase the art. G kind of give me your your impression of where the art was back then and mm -hmm. how it's morphed to today. Yeah, well, I think a lot of people, like BJJ is pretty big right now and for the last X many years, but things come in, in phases where they're the, the hot thing and stuff. I mean, you know, when you had your Bruce Lee and Chuck Norris, you had karate dojos and mm -hmm. kung fu dojos were popped up all over the place. That, that was the thing because everyone wanted to be like the action heroes of, of their day. Right. And then in 1988, this comes out. And then Aikido. I mean, I know people say a lot of bad things about Steven Seagal. And even in the Aikido world, there's there's certain negativity towards him. And some people say he, he helped Aikido. Some people say he hurt Aikido. But definitely increased the enrollment a huge amount huge. like aikido was a hot thing bjj was like unknown right and aikido went from unknown it was kind of like the <clears throat> sort of the darling of the of the of the day for a few years there it was really popular and we had tons of people coming in right. all the time i mean well obviously i i was one of them you were one of them yeah kind of got people in there so like I said, it, it showed in the movie, there was like, whoa, this is something totally different. Opened people's eyes to it. So my question is, when you started Aikido, um, you know, we had watched these moves and it's like, I want to learn these moves. Yeah. Okay. So when you were practicing Aikido, at any time, did you start 
you know, this is prior to BJJ. Yeah. Did it ever go through your mind of like, what happens if the fight goes to the ground? Or was that just not even part of the, your worldview? The ground stuff wasn't really part of my world, worldview. You gotcha. already fucked up. Your job is to put him on the ground, not be on the ground. Yeah, it wasn't really a consideration there. In high school, unfortunately, we didn't really get to do wrestling because I don't know what the detail was, but somebody fucked up in school. And, yeah. And, <laughs> we, we, and I was one of the... And Jim has lots of really... Phys Ed has lots of really stupid things that you have to do. And two of my regrets from high school is we didn't get to do football or wrestling because whatever. Yeah. So you didn't do wrestling in high school. So, so had, had I, had I done wrestling, I might've had more of a grappling mentality. Right there. I mean, it's really hard. I think for people these days to think about, think about how big of a deal grappling is. It's, it's like in everybody's consciousness. And I think we mentioned this in one of the other things, the first grapply like thing that really saw, I mean, there's a little bit of things in movies here and there, but you know, like whenever lethal weapon, it was probably around the same time, maybe a little bit later. 87. That was, that was the first time I saw a thing, but that was like one little move. Yeah. Just the triangle at the end, just out there. And the, when they had that fight, so you didn't really see a lot of grappling stuff. And like, and the other things were striking, you know, you got, you had Bruce Lee and Chuck Norris. Those were the kind of things that were there. So one of the weird things, though, if you think about it, because Aikido was actually a transition from the striking arts to a close in close, you know, standing grappling range. Yep. So yep. that was, yeah. the, that was new for the world because it, ha- it really hadn't seen it. I mean, obviously, jiu-jitsu yeah. wasn't around. And it's kind of an intermediate range too, right? Like people are getting close enough with the weapons. It's 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 far, but it's it's close too, right? Yeah. Like you're not in as close as you are with grappling, grappling. I mean, right. that's why they've got like the machete and baseball bats and knives and bottles. So and intermediate cool range. Also, so it's, it's yeah. also how to deal with weapons with your bare hands in a way that which is which is very different. with something else and then punching, right? It was like you know, how to, you know, use a technique to get around a blade and to get through and, you know, to disarm the guy and then cut the guy up with the machete yeah. and to, how to incorporate this weapons, this traditional weapons work kind of back mm-hmm. into the movies again. Instead of just using a weapon and getting a hold of that weapon, it was, oh, now I can be, I can go from no hands to a weapon, drop the weapon, fight the next guy with yeah, the bat. Yeah, and that was and part of the that, appeal right? too. So, so the realism thing was, was bringing the weapons and unarmed stuff together rather than... yeah. The, when I so when I started I Aikido I was you know I was enamored by it I loved the joint locks and the wrist locks and the throws and stuff and um, but one of the things that I would do in class and my sensei at the time would call me slippery was because I liked the resistance and I wasn't trying to be an ass you know by escaping moves because a lot of times you just go to it or you just bow to the you know the sensei's technique and you just kind of ukemi and all that stuff but I was like. What would happen? Okay, she, you know, you put me down on the ground. What happens if you roll? What happens if you grab onto the leg? What happens if you keep moving? Because your technique would have to change, right? Mm-hmm. And so in, I, in Aikido, the transition from technique to technique is yeah. in there, right? Yeah. Um, the Japanese word is uh, kaishiwaza for that, or yeah, when you're doing like the counter counter techniques, or the yeah, changing so, techniques. And... But so I'm on the ground, and you know, it's like okay, well, the fight's supposed to be over, but it, if it isn't, so I'm grabbing and moving, and so. Sensei's like, oh, you're slippery. And it's like, well, I kind of want to see what happens. And so that's where my, the the seed was planted for me about what's grappling, what happens if it goes on the ground and what happens you bring Mm -hmm. someone down here. And then, then the UFC comes out in 93. Yeah. Which I saw, but I continued to do. Yeah. 
I, I continued to do Aikido, of course, and it wasn't until later on that I took on. Yeah, and so the 93, so that was a changer there, but you've got from 88 to 93, and then it did take a while for UFC to, it, it, to no, take No, it took take, years. Take it off. took years. It, just because it came in 93, I mean, it, I don't know exactly what year it got really popular, but you, you've got a good chunk there where where Aikido was, was very popular. Yeah. And, and the grappling uh, stuff wasn't. Now, also for us, when we were doing it, I mean, I was doing Aikido as as some of the movies were coming out, mm -hmm. which was really cool. And Sensei was very cool. So we would do things. We would go We would go see the movie. Yeah. And then the next class, you'd go, okay, well, let's do I'll, this. I'll show, I'll show you the thing that was in this scene because you're... Because you're there and you're and you're you're watching the movie like oh wait we did that we did something like that oh it's like it, oh it was this it was part of the fun was yeah. going and seeing like oh wait we did that in class or oh could you teach us that so I should I should preface right now so um, Jason uh, is a fourth degree black belt in Aikido but he's also a purple belt in BJJ so he d he does know both worlds uh, and Alex is uh, is soon to be a purple belt in BJJ as well. So, Alex, what's your kind of take on looking at Aikido years past the the heyday of it and uh, its value? What do you do? You, do you see any value in it? For sure, I absolutely do, and I think that especially doing the Japanese jujitsu and the what I what I really appreciate about Aikido is the movement and the amount, the extension that happens, right? Because especially for me, that's one of my more difficult things that I'm trying to incorporate into my martial arts uh -huh. is that extension and that flow. Because in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, if you leave an arm out, you gets broken. You know what I mean? You're, right. It's that there's a there's a certain amount of that that comes with it, but it's inherently an easier martial art to play defensively to keep everything tight and then have a game from there, mm -hmm. um, and it it works very well in that way. As opposed to Aikido, you have to open up and extend in order yeah. to achieve certain moves. And I remember first starting BJJ, the extent the extending arms is like really awesome, but get arm barred and triangled a, a whole bunch yeah, from that, having that, having, yeah. having the arm don't do that having the arm, arm extension but yeah. it's it's different when you're trying to defend against knives and stuff like that For like sure. the be keeping your arms in tight is not is not a healthy useful thing the, to be the doing the distance management the entering yeah. in aikido i think is is incredible and and there's there you can't put a value on when someone is coming at you with the intent to strike to kill and that's the other thing too is when you're practicing like you don't get to change the direction of the punch or the swing, right? There's a certain amount that you can redirect, but it's still basically coming in on that 45 or whatever it is, right? And you can make that adaption, mm -hmm. but it's there's a certain amount that you can't get in almost... It doesn't focus in any other martial art the same way that Aikido focuses on using that momentum to destroy your opponent as they're coming in on you, right? Mm -hmm. But Which, so the argument being is, are you really going to be able to destroy your opponent? With Aikido. Yes. Well, I mean, I've, I've seen some pretty cool footage of uh, Jason uh, destroying some <laughs> opponents. So, uh, you know, I would, I would say that, yeah, I think that, uh, you know, it, it comes down to, I think Aikido really capitalizes on the timing as well, right? It's a big part of it. You don't, you can't come in with a technique and try and, you know, do an emote when you need to do an ura, right? You can't push through when you need to step away and to turn with it, right? And I think that's another thing that Aikido does very well is a lot of the ura techniques is taking your opponent's energy and turning it and redirecting it. I think there's lots of very applicable... Um, yeah, and I think that yeah. that is, is misunderstood, uh, because people are like, oh, energy against him. What does that really mean? Yeah, does it sounds, kind of, sounds kind of flaky. But we're not you, talking about key. We're not talking about like your spirit powers. Yeah, but BJJ are, does that. Yeah, but that's what yeah, it, right. that's just what the point I was going to make is yeah. when you see really high level people in BJJ, they're flowing and they're turning and they're blending with the energy and yep. stuff like that. It's just, you know, 
they don't have the layer of uh, whatever about it that, that gets. So one of the things I look at Aikido, like for me, my Aikido, when I went into jujitsu and BJJ, it changed. Yeah. Um, because of, because of the range and just how I appreciate it. So my Aikido, I left it behind, but it did change and I have incorporated jujitsu or sorry, I've incorporated Aikido moves into my BJJ. Yeah. Uh, and it works. But does it all work? No, no it all, certainly all doesn't. All things don't work all the, all the time. It's the right tool for the right job at the right time. Right. I often tell people, you know, you can have a technique that's a 1% technique, and if you use it that 1% of the time that's appropriate, it's a 100% technique. You have a 99% effective technique if there was such a thing, and right. you use it the 1% of the time it doesn't work, it's a 0% technique. So a lot of it is the right tool for the right job at the right time. And that's one of the main arguments of BJJ is the, the percentage of moves that work are much higher yeah. uh, than, you know, and I'm not trying to, to rag on Aikido necessarily, but they are much, much higher. Yeah. And it's also higher like how, higher. how quickly can you get someone up to a level of competence within a thing, you know, yeah, 20 year technique, right. You can get into the long bow, crossbow, right? yeah. firearm yeah. type of arguments too, with other types of weapons. And one of the things they talk about BJJ is the gross motor skills. It is much yeah. quicker, oh, I sure. believe, to catch on to it, although it does seem alien when you first start. Well, but and but it becomes more inherent and they kind of, it builds in them. And for me, I find the learning curve for Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu far, uh, I, I don't want to necessarily, I guess easier than the advanced Aikido and Japanese Jiu-Jitsu techniques. Mm -hmm. When you look at the subtleties, when you look at the difference that one degree of rotation in a wrist or a, an elbow can make when in that stand-up kind of three-dimensional aspect as opposed to down on the two-dimensional aspect of BJJ, like I'm finding in BJJ like, oh, you can get a Kimura from here, you can get a Kimura from here. Like it just kind of happens. Yeah. It's far, it's far like, oh, this, you know, you just, you once you kind of find that concept, it applies in most of the positions like you know there's there's a certain way to achieve that move standing up it's like i have no idea how to get from here to here like with you got the transition through eight different moves before you end up back at the same spot I find. but it also depends where you're coming from too right. like coming from stand up to going to bjj later yeah i had the opposite problem right right which is what the, the plane which you're yeah, operating the on. plane which I mentioned before in the, when we were talking about Star Trek right about the two dimensional three dimensional thinking yeah. of the when we're talking about the con battle in the right. in the in the nebula because like being able to have your feet do more than just move along on the ground yeah was like it's still a thing that catches catches me up against people that have a better mm. better sense of that and what, what I, I typically tell people it's like well what's the difference between say uh, maybe Japanese um, jujitsu or aikido and Brazilian jujitsu and since I have um, my feet in both worlds, I basically say that, and this is a gross oversimplification of it, <laughs> is if you think that you know, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu uh, works on the, you know, the lateral plane, you know, horizontal plane, mm -hmm. that's where it operates. So when you have the ground on your back or whatever, you know that you can't move past that. Yeah. So your mobility, you, you know that you can use it for um, grounding and movement and base and structure and things like that. However, when you look at it in stand-up arts and traditional arts, you're now working on a vertical plane. So your mm -hmm. movement, as Jason was pointing out, is much different. We can move in circles. Yes. We can move in and out much quicker. So um, it's just a difference of planes. And once you kind of understand that, it's the techniques are similar in some ways. Yes. Yeah. Right? And uh, that's that old adage, it's like many roads to the peak, but once you get to the peak, they're kind of yeah. very yeah. similar. Right. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I just, I, Alex, you make some good points, uh, you know, looking at it from kind of a, 
BGJ perspective coming in from that. But and 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 I also have to say too, there's a big I think, and this is another thing I want to say about Steven Seagal, right? Is obviously when he's doing that and when he's showing these people and when he's making Aikido popular and famous, he's doing it with a opponents who it's almost like a choreographed rehearsal type thing right i'm gonna do this move then we're gonna do this move then we're gonna do that move to make him look badass of course now mm-hmm. the problem is is that people then they want to learn how to do that right now yeah. are those people wanting to learn how to fuck people up and defend themselves mm-hmm. or are they wanting to learn how to do a cool thing like hey let's look like let's look let's make this look cool and this is where you yeah. i think karate fell victim to the same thing right in a different way karate i think fell victim to the rec center karate like your kids you put them in karate and they get a black belt in like five years or something and they're you know like they get their junior black belt or whatever it is mm-hmm. and they get a stripe every day they go to class and mm-hmm. it's, it's the mick dojo type yeah, thing it's a money making thing that's right. i don't agree with that right like and but it's it's a tough line to walk because you need to fund you know the martial arts practice but then you also need to not dilute it with a bunch of shit that you're just selling mm-hmm. and i think aikido a lot of places fell into that selling shit and make this look cool and popular and this is how you kind of um well, it's funny. It, it's I don't know if I'd say that because when it changed, like when Jason and I were going through it, it took it took ten years to get a black belt in Aikido. Yeah, right? just like BJJ. Yeah, uh, it's different now, but like it took a long time to get a black belt. It wasn't. Uh, it was like, oh my god, and, and they, and they don't belt you up. Like I, I mean, I'm not trying to say I'm not trying to say that karate and Aikido did it in the same way. What I'm saying is that they both fell victim to selling it. Oh, like, I see. Where, yes. where, whereas okay. Aikido and they sold you the fanciness. Of the move and like how crazy it looked when you were throwing a guy down. What? Yeah, right. what yeah. The beauty and the flow of it. But yeah. we know the reality of what happens. It's, when you, it's right. far like yeah. you know he's not getting not. It's, it, it's different, yeah, right? It's and got some... how he's falling, what's happening. If you practice falling like that, how are you going to know what it's like to throw someone when they have no idea yeah, how to even that's be thrown? Part right? of the challenges of Aikido is like mm-hmm. there's when it, any martial art when you popularize it. I mean, like we say, it's like you get out action hero of the month year whatever that comes out and everyone's trying to be like them right and then it gets popular and other people want to jump on the bandwagon and get in there and you're and then you're trying to run it as a business and attract more people then compromises get made um this isn't bjj's got its own things but one of the things in aikido is people trying to do the falls and make it look beautiful and Mm -hmm. and do that so there's like sort of demo techniques that are really impressive to do in a demonstration that are beautiful and flowing and make nice big falls and then you you can sit there and you can preach about the art of peace and stuff like that (laughs) yeah but you can take those techniques tighten them up a little bit and throw someone who doesn't know how to fall and it, and, it, and it won't be flowing, and it won't be pretty, but it, but it will be effective, and the person is not going to make a nice nice and fall, but it will definitely like fuck, fuck them up. You have used yeah, Aikido. Yeah, I, I have used yeah. Aikido in the real world, and it will. I didn't, it, I didn't believe it till I saw it, you know? I was like, this is... Like this Riminage, that's one of my weakest moves that I struggle with. But mm-hmm. man, I need to tighten that shit up because I've seen it work. Like it's <laughs> yeah, it's, so, it's impressive. So right? it it can work, and and that's part of the struggle that Aikido has is is they've got this this thing about being oh we're going to be the art of peace. Right. And and within the Aikido community, there's some people that hate Steven Seagal because like oh it's too violent. It's not true Aikido because it's it's too violent. And mm-hmm. and then there's other people that are like, I'm more on the effectiveness side than on the. The pretty boy side. Well, they they discuss um, when you're looking at the violence of Aikido. Uh, sometimes referred to as pre-war Aikido and mm-hmm. post-war Aikido, where Oh Sensei had kind of changed his 
his demeanor and what, you know, the love yeah. of martial art and stuff like that. And if I want to keep doing this. I need to uh, change it because they're going to crack down on me. <laughs> uh, yeah. And, and the funny thing is, you know, we're talking about using, you know, like if you're using Aikido in the real world, obviously, as we've already pointed out, not all techniques work all the time and all people. Uh, we're also not talking about using them on trained fighters. We're not uh-huh. talking about an MMA guy versus a, an Aikido guy or a BGJ guy. We're not talking about that. When you right? put gloves on, it makes a lot of wrist locks and things like that. But even if you don't, right, you know? even if you don't, even yeah. if it's in the street, if you know a trained fighter in one art versus another trained uh, practitioner in another art, there's going to be an imbalance there. Yeah. You know, yeah. and th- the reality is, and this is my opinion, and this is something that I had to learn was I needed to go back to the drawing board. Right. Mm-hmm. When I was already a black belt in Aikido when I started BJJ mm-hmm. and, uh, and uh, Japanese Jiu-Jitsu. And I said, like, hey, I, I just need to start learning. I have a massive hole here. And then I just, I just, the art itself taught me stuff that Aikido never taught me. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, and honestly, I'm more confident because of my BJJ. For sure. Than my Aikido. For sure. Like, right. like if you're saying if there was a way to kind of just have one, the, the BJJ would be a much more complete. Yeah. Than the... But I don't regret doing Aikido yeah, yeah, at all yeah. because it taught me a lot of stuff about the martial arts, about movement, about distance, about my own body. And that's, which, that's a lot of high level difficult stuff. Yeah. It's, you know? it's the nuances of a martial art. And if you talk to any uh, black belt in BJJ, they're also going to have that same kind of... Uh, similarity and they'll, they'll talk about it. Like when you talk to a martial artist, no matter what art they're in, if they're high level, you speak the same language. Yes. Yeah. And, and that's yeah. the important stuff. So there's stuff I took from Aikido, which I absolutely love and people bash on it. And I don't get into, I mean, there's things I don't like about it and things I think are bullshit. hundred uh-huh. percent. Yeah. Uh, which is going to lead us into Dane's dungeon in a moment. <laughs> but my point being is there's techniques that do work mm-hmm. or that are beneficial to your martial art training, no matter what you do. So to discount it, if you've never done it, I think is the height of ignorance to believe that everything's going to work in it is the height of ignorance as well. Right. So make no mistake, listening audience. I'm not saying that it is the end all cure all. It isn't. Neither is BJJ. No. You know, but that's why I do what I do. That's why I train in multiple disciplines. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They each have something to offer. They totally do. There's different points in your life where you'll be looking for different things and maybe one martial art speaks to you at one point in your life, another point, something else is going to work. And if truly, if one martial art was better than all the rest, then the, would it would, you would eliminate it and there wouldn't be others. They serve different purposes for different people. At different Two, and the funny thing is, is what is best, right? Yeah, what is best? It, it depends on what you well, are. Are we going to go take ninjutsu because killing someone in their sleep is way easier than killing someone when they're awake? You know what I mean? Like, it, what are you trying to do? Are you trying to assassinate someone or are you trying well, to Well, that's the best defend? way to kill someone. Exactly, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Guns, poison them? Like, are we going to do chemistry? Right? Like, you know, there's, there's all those kind of things. So... It just depends on what what you're looking for, but I think as a in terms of martial arts, you're looking at uh, you know defending yourself in a from an unprepared situation, and I I think that Aikido, especially with a lot of the traditional weapon stuff, uh, translates uh, very well in a lot of if if you can make the adaption too. That's the thing. Yeah. If you can take the yokoman and the showman and turn it into a jab or a cross, or you can turn these traditional attacks and mm-hmm. you can adjust them to a more modern. Yeah. And you're you're seeing that now. You're seeing actually Aikido practitioners who are coming into the 20th, 21st century that are actually starting to 
morph the mm. art and it's pissing a lot of traditionalists off because they're like okay this doesn't work let's get rid of this let's kind of add this yeah and you can argue that it's not aikido anymore which is fine but, but how do you think aikido got to where it was you know like some guy yeah, was people running have around, to be like, innovating every, you, it's always changing it's always it, growing it, it is but it, i'm going to take aikido as a uh, specifically but it can be any kind of traditional martial art bjj is very much not like this because it is it's super there's so many different practitioners and they evolved and changing and adding all the they time. tried to fight it but Eddie Bravo really broke that mold, I think. Yeah, Eddie totally broke that mold. But you see a ton of American practitioners doing it, and even Brazilian guys too. But Aikido especially was kind of like, this is how we do it. Mm -hmm. And Jason and I can speak hours about this. (laughs) This is how you do it. Uh, It doesn't change. No, this is how the founder meant it to be. So the problem is, is O-sensei, he had several different uh, um, students. Right. And they each interpreted his teaching differently. So when you look at all his main students, like when it comes down the, the line, each one is very different. Yeah, and if you see the but different things that, that were taught at different periods of time. It's like religion, you know, it's like how many different Christianities are there or whatever. You exactly. Know? It's just like, oh, well, actually, yeah. uh, I, don't, yeah. I don't do this on this day. Well, I want to do that, you know, so. So that's going to transition into uh, this segment of the Torvis podcast of Dane's Dungeon. Dane being uh, our very good friend who passed away. Uh, we are dedicating this spot to him. We're going to raise a glass, have a drink to Dane. To Dane. Okay, so we'll get into the Dane's Dungeon. And uh, this is the part of the podcast that we talk about particular things about movies or whatever topic we're talking about. And we either say that it's uh, cool shit or total bullshit. So... Um, I'm just going to start with, uh, I'm going to see if you think this is cool shit or bullshit. In Russia, which we didn't even talk about with Steven Skull, he happens to be a Russian citizen as well, but that is a completely different uh, topic. But Not Tibetan. In, and he is also, yes, he said he was a reincarnated Tuklu, which basically a Tuklu is the uh, reincarnated Dalai Lama. He also has a humanitarian award from PETA as well. So Peta's on his side. He's a Peta Putin Tibetan, and a, he actually did a movie called uh, Fire Down Below, which was like oh. oils and stuff. Like it's it's he's been all over the place, right? <laughs> oh, oh my god, that okay, was a anyway. turning point in it. <laughs> in Russia, here we go. The bootleg translation of Above the Law became Nico, and I was mentioning before it's Nico was the name used in many different places, and so that's what happened. Uh, which is fine. But for some reason, bootleggers started titling the following Steven Seagal films as Nico 2, Nico 3, and uh-huh. Nico 4. And to be fair, I think that his character in the first four movies is the same bloody character, and which is fine. I mean, that's, I mean, James Bond is the same character in however many movies. It's, it's okay. And he's, but it's like and he's not, he's not a great actor, but for playing a cop martial arts action hero... Yeah, he's, he's great. Always, he's always those, a cop, right? In those four movies, he's a good character that does it right. I mean, Arnold Schwarzenegger's not a great actor either, but he can still play good roles. Okay, so do we, do we, do we think that Steven Seagal's characters, say, in the first four films, is cool shit or bullshit? It's a, it's a cool shit, kick-ass cop. It, it's cool. It's cool. Like, it, uh, you know, it's not necessarily super politically correct, but it's, you know, it's, 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 a, it's an interesting take on it, for sure. But I guess that it, it doesn't matter because we're not watching the story, so we don't really yeah, care. It's like he's, yeah, it's cool. It's, not great acting it's not great story but it's a, it's a good kick-ass kick-ass cop okay um the films following the first four steven seagal films cool shit or bullshit the one on the battleship under siege was was cool shit but then it's after like, yeah. that bullshit. i have 
have less, you less have you seen some of them? I, I well, I, I when I was straight to I was video, doing a little research. Yeah, the straight to video ones. He he got the what are they called? The Raspberry Awards, the Golden or the oh, the oh those are the worst film. Yeah, awards, he, the worst he, he 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 won uh, best director, worst director. He 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 was nominated for so many on all of his straight to film movies. It was it, I was looking at his because I was like, oh, did he get any awards? And it, it's all just for, for shit awards. Yeah, yeah. The, I think there was a turning point, but I mean, above the law, I don't know the numbers, but it it did pretty well i don't know how yeah. how well but it, it definitely made made money and was like in the theaters and stuff but the later ones were just ugh. so okay the next one is um apparently after the film opened this, let's see if this is a cool shit or bullshit moment um aikido experienced a boom worldwide and steven go steven Seagal's los angeles dojo at the time was struggling but afterwards after the movie came out it was sold out and every single class was full yeah. cool shit or bullshit I think that's cool shit. That's, that's cool shit, it, yeah. You're getting a lot of people into into martial arts, and some people stayed in Aikido and was a great thing. Some people stayed for a while and left. Some people moved on to other things. I think, you know, anytime you're giving people an opportunity to do something else that's that's interesting to them, that's that's good. You expose the world to something new that a lot of people got stuff out of and still do. Gotcha. Cool shit. Okay. Um, how about... Oh, by the way, um, we didn't even touch on this, but uh, Sharon Stone, she was uh, she was the uh, wife of Steve Bullshit. Skullman. Like, I didn't know that's who it is. Like, that's who it is. I, I was Sharon Stone. <laughs> watching the thing and like, whoa, this is like bad. Bad. Like, Sharon she's Stone. not a good character. No. That Maybe it was horribly written, but that wasn't good acting. It's just like, no chemistry. It was just like... It was terrible. It yeah. was like, that was horrible. Bullshit. <laughs> okay. I'm not saying it's her fault, but as it came across on the, on the screen... Bullshit. Okay, so we're going to talk about um, one of the deaths in Above the Law, and that's when one of the bad guys ends up. Uh, it's in the car park. Yeah, and uh, he's on the hood, and he says, oh, "Stop the car! Stop, stop the, the car, car! Stop it now!" And then he drives, and he goes kind of out a window that's low. It's partly wall, part window, and he just drives the car straight through. So it hangs out over. Was the it the same guy that he put his hand through the? the side and was choking was it the same guy that was saying yes. stop the car yes. yeah so that's actually a pretty good writing thing it is yeah. <laughs> stop no the seriously car, stop like the i mean car, in, in literary <laughs> um composition the fact that the guy earlier in the thing was stop the car when yeah. he was choking him yeah. and then he ends his life by saying stop the car that you've got the structure oh i see I yeah. so i was I just saying it had that. bad writing but that's actually a perfectly valid literary device fantastic i never even thought about that so but he crashes him through the window and he bounces and then he falls onto the train tracks yeah so he smashes him through the window and he's kind of on the hood of the car and then when the so, car, so the right car as, stops with the tires hanging out of the window and then he slides off the which hood is, which is right as he slides off the hood this is where the special effects guys yeah, really drop the ball yeah, a, you can totally dummy. see it's the a dummy, dummy. Yeah. and dummy. then and then they cut away from the dummy and then it's the guy falling with his arms flailing like the yeah. dummy thing looked yeah. really yeah, it was, bad that was, really the bad. Only that, it was, was like, like dude Ooh. you got to recut that that was shit <laughs> yeah yeah, uh, Bullshit. yeah. and then anyway, he flies out the the window down and he falls onto a a, a set of train tracks hits the third rail and just like you could just see, and like the blue sparks going everywhere. Like, like he overkill. Just, yeah, he just got exploded. Like it was but like, oh my goodness. They could have had the train run over him. I mean, you get, yeah. what was, it was also very wily coyote too, right? Yeah. So. Oh my goodness. <laughs> it's totally good. Uh, another fight sequence in there at the very end when he grabs Henry Silva and he takes Henry Silva's arm and he breaks his arm. So cool. I was watching that and I was like, oh, like even for the special effects and what it was. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. And then. 
and then he and then he proceeds to wrap around his head and then he and break his neck. Yeah. It was so cool. I really enjoyed that. Yeah. Yeah. So cool shit. Cool shit. Yeah. I think I may have taught something similar yeah. recent, <laughs> yeah. recently. So yeah, I would say that's a pretty cool cool death scene. So that's cool shit. Because it was also it was pretty graphic, right? After he breaks yeah. it and then it just Well, like, he broke his nose first and he's all bleeding. Oh, and then he grabs the arm, breaks the arm, and it's kind of slow. Like it's not it's not a quick, it's not like a Yeah. It's like, yeah. You can see like yeah. Yeah, he was, 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 was kind of making him suffer. Yeah, and then he suffer there. goes for the head wrap and, and that's actually one of the I, very cool. Just so I don't forget it um, mm-hmm. since we're on YouTube there's there's two entertaining um, videos about Steven Seagal breaking bones or breaking all the bones or something oh, and yes. you know even even if you don't like his movies and you can't sit through a whole movie and stuff they're like I don't know it's like 10 minutes of just like there's a lot of different bone breaking that is a great <laughs> and, video which is just one of those things I mean you definitely don't want to do that as a drinking game unless you got someone you want to get them just completely hammered that's like <laughs> that's like playing the fuck game with Scarface <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's totally true though. Like it's like hundreds of breaking bones, and it's just one after that. Have you seen it? The no, compilation. No. It's really funny. Oh, that's hilarious. yeah. And to watch all it, it does, we'll watch it afterwards. All it just is just it shows it just shows like one, two, three, and it's like snap, snap, snap. And that was oh, that was something very characteristic to him that he brought there. Like when I mean, you think in the other martial arts movies, there that that kind of gratuitous bone breaking wasn't wasn't there. He brought that to the mm-hmm. to the scene. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to talk, uh, the next one we're going to talk about for Dane's Dungeon here, uh, and uh, the last one is Steven Seagal's hair. Cool shit or bullshit? And the reason I'm bringing this up, Alex, because you just looked up in the air and go, what is he talking about? Steven Seagal, uh, you know he wears a hairpiece, right? Like now? Like, like nowadays? Or? Like now, now. Yeah, yes. yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 You can tell it's not real. Yes. Well, I did not know, but I don't really follow what he does anymore, so... Oh, well, he's always wearing like a, like kind of this like a handkerchief on his head. Yeah. Um, but Steven Seagal's oh, hair. Okay. Um, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to show you a picture of Steven Seagal back when he did Above Law. And then I'm going to show you a picture of today. You ready? Yeah. So I just showed you guys the pictures of uh, Above Law back then and now. So uh, is that cool shit or bullshit? That's super bullshit. Bullshit. And, and uh, Alex points out, he's like, why does he always have like yellow shooting glasses on? <laughs> always he's a weird dude he's a weird guy like, he, he totally is uh, and that's the other thing we never even touched upon which we have to end off end up on uh, off on you ready yeah ready. cool shit or bullshit here it goes the ponytail the ponytail at the time was cool shit did you have one jason i had really long hair mm-hmm. and sometimes was in a ponytail <laughs> my hair was not as i have much bushier hair so my hair does i'm not also go, gonna say cool shit. Goes, it's yeah. slick and the thing too you gotta remember with his character in these first four movies too they always have this like italian mafia family connection he's a cop but he's also got a family that's got close ties with the, the catholic, mafia the catholic church and the mafia, the mafia. and so you oh, gotta have that slicked back yeah also also of, i like, I like to the tie cool. to the japanese you know it's like kind of like a warrior's like top knot you know what i mean yeah. like it's the same kind of like long hair tied up like you but know. it's kind of like a north american Virgin, top knot yeah. of the thing and, and you got to remember too like i don't know the exact timeline but it's an actual, not an above the law, but the later movies, his hair grows grows a little bit more and gets yeah. more into it. But there's also like the new wave motion, so it's not like a rat tail, which is bullshit. Right. This is a this is a ponytail, which is which is cool shit for yeah. the the thing there too. I had the ponytail. So. Yeah, if you're gonna do it, you gotta you gotta in, embrace it. In 1990, I went as Halloween. I was uh, Steven Seagal, 
Really? Yes, I have a Do picture. You have photos? I have a oh, picture. Oh awesome. my god! And if I can it. find it, I will yes. throw it on the podcast yes. so people can see it. <laughs> oh my it goodness! It was ridiculous. I dyed my hair black, and it was the pony. Oh my goodness! That's hilarious. Uh, see, that's why you it's should a... do that now. You should go with Steven Seagal now, like his current day. You should dress up like him. And with like get... overweight, yeah, and, and with the, with the shooting glasses on and the hairpiece. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We could get like a sharpie and like draw the Thank... V on your forehead. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, yeah. And you know the internet's forever now, right? So if I ever do that, we're done. Oh my God. Okay. Yeah, the things you could get away with like, as a kid before the internet. Yeah. Um, a lot of people say, thank God the internet didn't exist when I was a teenager, right? Yeah. And uh, you don't have that luxury, I don't Alex. Have that, no. Yeah. And with his hair and stuff, I don't remember specifically, but I think he wasn't like a super sex star thing, but I think to the women he was like, okay, oh, he back was. then. Like, no, people make he fun was of a him sex now, symbol. But he was, he was. Oh, yeah. Huh. Yeah, huge, tall, dark, and handsome. They loved him. He was like oh, on. Yeah. He was he was on GQ. Oh yeah. So this yeah. is this is one of the things that was like people nowadays oh. wouldn't think of him that way. And you know, to me, yeah, I, didn't, I didn't really care, but I, I have that, a recollection that that's good because you know he showed that photo and he's got like pretty thinning hair and his breakout roles and stuff. It's not. I wouldn't say anything to write home about, but. Well, you're just you're not attracted yeah, to the, uh, yeah, yeah. To the just mentioning CIA mafia. He's no, he's guy. no Chris Hemsworth. Let me tell you that. <laughs> we do like Chris Hemsworth. Uh, well, it depends which part of which movie you're talking about. <laughs> all of them, any of them. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Even <laughs> Fat Thor yeah, is all awesome. Good, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, that was uh, that was our take on Aikido above the law and Steven Seagal. Kind of a weird topic, but uh, we know we have some ties in that world, so we just had to talk. It is about kind it. of a weird thing, but I mean. Again, if you like if you like cop action movies, the first four, you might fast forward through some parts, but there's some there's some good fight scenes yep. in there, and they're not the best ever, but there's worse modern things that that are out there that I've seen. I wouldn't watch anything after after, after Under Siege. Under Siege. Yeah. Um, so but... if you're gonna watch any of you know, watch the first two minutes of Above the Law, and fast forward to the fight scenes because they're kind of cool. It is, I think, required uh, viewing for uh, '80s geeks. Yeah, and some of the, some of the other ones like the the next few movies. And again, like I say, it's basically the same character, but you know, he's got the one against the the Jamaican posse and stuff. That had, some, that had some great, yeah. great fight scenes in it. The if you want just sure brutality beat down the out for justice the fourth one that was good that's kind of the peak yeah. of a bully cop guy oh yeah just mopping the f- floor and walls and ceiling with people yes so it's... for the record we don't do that no but, <laughs> but it's, it's again I'm, I'm saying this coming from like the dirty hairy yeah, type of thing or totally if, if i've got a sort of sub degree in, in cop things there's also a good thing from uh, britain's called a uh, Life on Mars, and, and mm-hmm. they did an American one, but the British one's always a lot better. But it also mm-hmm. shows the cops in the 70s and, and stuff like that. So it's a very different era when you're coming coming from, and then you're doing it up for action movies. So totally. whatever. It's like, you know, right time for the right mood, right? It's not greatest stuff ever, but it's not as bad. The other stuff is really fucking horrible. Yeah. Really fucking horrible. But sometimes early things can, can still be okay. Agreed. Yeah. And if it holds up against... Over the generations, yeah, and it wasn't the worst thing ever. Then, yep, maybe maybe you can get surprises from. And it was interesting getting Alex's perspective of uh, going backwards rather than going forwards. Yeah, and it's you know like I, I overall I would have said I would have probably written him off as a, as a lunatic and said that, that you know maybe the world be better without him. But you know I think he's done a lot of great things, and I mm-hmm. think uh, you know well I mean it's unfortunate that he went down the path that he did, but 
Yeah. It, and art uh, is art, and you uh, got to appreciate what he did at the time when he did it, right? Right. So. And I guess I, I don't really care about celebrities. I don't give a fuck about that stuff. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I watch movies to see characters in movies. I don't care about actors, celebrities, producers, all that shit. I'm into it for the but characters. You know that when and, you have the... PETA and Putin like, te- like helping you out, like that, maybe something's maybe going on. You know, it's funny when, when I actually, when I put this together and we're talking about PETA and Putin, yeah. every time we say PETA and Putin, I'm going to have the PETA symbol. Yeah. And and then when we say Putin, Putin's yeah. face is going to come up. It's yeah. just going to go back and forth because it's so Excellent. weird. Yeah. Uh, oh, man. Okay. Well, thanks, guys. Really appreciate uh, going down memory lane with uh, Stephen Skull, Above Law, and Aikido. So until next time, this was Episode 7 of the Torvis Podcast. Yeah.